A lot of times when we set a boundary, we think that they have to act this way and then they'll get us in their life. Boundaries are not a way to manipulate someone else's behavior. Boundaries are a way to protect yourself regardless of how that person shows up, right? So a boundary is not asking them to change. A boundary is saying to ourselves, we are going to take care of ourselves and our own emotions regardless of how that person acts. friends. Welcome back to the InSource podcast. So today I've got some I'm pretty excited about, but I feel like I'm also a little bit nervous because this is super, it's a tough topic. It's something that I think a lot of people struggle with and it comes up a lot in my one-on-one coaching sessions. And it's something that we feel very convicted about. And what I'm going to do today I feel like a lot of times I want to offer you ways to reframe thoughts and hopefully you can walk out of an episode feeling a little lighter than you did walking in. Today's topic is a little bit more uh, deeply embedded in us, I feel like. And today I just kind of want to plant the seed that there maybe is another option. You might not fully move into feeling a different way on after this episode, but I'm hopeful that at least I can plant the seed of possibility. And I'm talking about when you have someone in your life that you feel like is toxic or has wronged you or, you know, has crossed the line too many times and you're sort of teetering on, do I even continue having a relationship with them or not? Do I even, did they even deserve to be in my life anymore? Um, And maybe you've cut someone out of your life or maybe you're considering cutting it out or maybe you're, you haven't even considered that as a option, but you're, you know, nervous heading into, well, I guess it's coming after the holiday season, but maybe you're coming off of a holiday season and now the seeds are planted. You're like, I expected them to act this way. They acted this way and I don't think I can do it again. Whatever it is, I feel like some of these stories and things that have happened to us in our lives, especially if they're with family, can be really charged and felt really deeply. And especially if it is something with our parents. So I wanted to share with you today the way that I've sort of completely shifted my thoughts around what was once the most charged and challenging relationship of my life. And the reason I want to talk about it is because if you've followed me for any length of time, I mean, maybe this is your first experience of me, so hello and welcome. But if you followed me, you've sort of seen the progression of my relationship with my mom. And I've never really talked in specifics about what happened, and I don't think it's necessary that I share that ever really, but... You've seen that I cut my mom out of my life several years ago, and I tried to open the door again a couple of years ago and realized, nope, I she doesn't respect my boundaries. She this, she that. I had to shut the door again. Um, and I've done some work over the last couple of years, honestly, since I became a life coach, where my mom came to my house uh, a week ago or so. 
And we had a beautiful day together, her with my kids and my grandma, her mom. And I just felt an immense amount of love. And I felt an immense amount of pride for myself because a couple of years ago, that would not have happened. Maybe she would have come to my house, but it would not have been a peaceful, joyful time. I would have been sitting in resentment and finding all the ways that she wasn't doing it right and um, been bitter. And so a lot of you noticed that if, if you'd been following me for a while, a lot of you asked, how did you do that? Or, wow, this is really inspiring. I, you know, want to get to that point or, um, just felt proud of me or happy for me. Right. And so, and there was a lot of people that I know have their own relationship that, they're battling with what to do. So I wanted to talk to you today about how I was able to go from a place of absolute anger and rage towards my mom to where I am now, which is uh, contentment, peace, love, appreciation, gratitude. And I wish I could I wish I had something to share with you how I felt, how my brain spoke about her a couple of years ago. I'm sure I I have it somewhere, like in a story I posted somewhere in a podcast, just to really show you how absolutely different I feel. Like it is a 180. And so I know that this piece is also possible for you. I have a lot of clients who have struggled with their parents, relationship with their parents, and um, you know, harbor a lot of resentment and still have their parent in their life, but have resentment and anger and miss, you know, distrust for them or have cut them out for one reason or another, but they're still suffering and in pain. And so I thought it would kind of take you on the progression of what happened for me, how I was able to cross that bridge from absolute anger and rage to, uh, God, I don't even know what it is. Just like, gratitude and love. I feel love. And I didn't think a couple of years ago that I would get here. So I think the very first step is deciding that you want to feel better about that relationship and that person. So I'm going to be speaking about specifically my relationship with my mom today, but insert every time I'm talking about her, the person in your life that you've struggled with the most. And I think the number one step is deciding you want to feel better because we don't know that we can't, that it's a choice, right? Like several years ago, I didn't even think it was a choice that I could feel better. I was like, this is what happened. It's absolutely unacceptable. Therefore, I have to feel angry and mad and resentful and bitter, right? And whenever I would tell anyone that loved me about what happened, everyone would agree. Yes, that was awful. Oh my gosh, how horrible. I'm so sorry for you, right? And not that I, not everyone agreed that I should cut her out of my life, but pretty much everybody could empathize with me and agreed with me that it was wrong and it would have been hard and all of that. So I decided several years ago, I was going to cut her out of my life. And I put this boundary in place that she was not allowed to be in my circle anymore. And I didn't, you know, I blocked her on all social media things and I, um, I just didn't want to be around her. I didn't, I didn't want to experience that sort of what I used to think was that she was toxic and negative and that she was the problem. Right. So I set a boundary in place. And I think a lot of times I'm going to have to do a whole episode on boundaries because a lot of times when we set a boundary, we think that it is, they have to act this way and then they'll get us in their life. 
But what it is, is I want, this is the boundary. I, I ask that you ask this way. And if you don't, I will remove myself. Boundaries are not a way to manipulate someone else's behavior. Boundaries are a way to protect yourself how, regardless of how that person, person shows up, right? So a boundary is not asking them to change. A boundary is saying to ourselves, we are going to take care of ourselves and our own emotions regardless of how that person acts. And so we set up, you know, rules for ourselves. And a lot of times these boundaries that we put in place are can evoke then some negative emotion instead of something that makes us feel good and wonderful and loving, right? So I had this client the other day that said she was abused as a a child and her mom still hangs out with her abuser. And she's asked her mom to, she said, I know she's going to hang out with him, but I... I just don't want to hear about it. And when I talk to my mom on the phone, she talks about him and she brings him up. And so her boundary is, mom, you cannot talk to me about him, right? That's the boundary. That's the end of the boundary. But that's not really the end of the boundary. That's then manipulating the the parent's behavior to say, you have to act this way. There's no, or else I will do this, right? Because she's continuing to call. She's continuing to check in. She's continuing to hope that her mom will be better, that her mom will be different, that will show up differently, right? A boundary looks like, mom, I do not want to speak with you about him. And if you do, I'm going to have to leave the conversation. And then when the mom speaks about him, you leave the, hey, mom, um, I let you know that I don't feel safe having a conversation about him. You're choosing to still talk about him. I have to go right now. And mom's going to have an opinion about that. Mom doesn't like that. Mom's pissed off or dad or whoever it is, right? That you have set this boundary for. Maybe it's an in-law. Maybe it's an uncle. Whoever you have set this boundary for is going to have feelings about that because they don't like the boundary that you are upholding. Boundaries tend to, like people that get upset about boundaries are because it affects them, right? And mom is allowed to feel that way. So a lot of times, I want you guys to think about if you could choose to feel any way about that particular person, right? How would you want to feel? And when I think about like years ago, how I felt about my mom, it, I don't even know. I think that I would have said indifferent. I would have just liked to be neutral. I didn't want to feel anger and resentment and bitterness, but I was not ready to feel love at all. And in going through certification, there is this training on unconditional love. And this is really what sort of planted the seed for me where I realized I was the one that was continuing to keep myself in pain, right? And I didn't think I had a choice. I was like, she did this, therefore I have to feel this way. And so I didn't think that I would be able to feel good. I would have just said, I want to feel neutral. I want to feel indifferent. But of all the choices of things that we can feel, why in the world would we choose to feel something as mundane as indifferent when love or peace or gratitude or compassion is available to us, right? So I want to give you some examples of times where where we think... um, that there is no choice, right? So let's say you're getting married and you have an outdoor wedding planned and then the rain comes on your wedding day. You might think I have no choice but to feel disappointed or upset, right? Um, Or anxious or freaking out or whatever, right? But there are actually several brides who have had rain on their wedding day and see it as good luck or a great story to tell or like, I don't care because at the end of the day, I'm just marrying him, right? There's tons of options that you could think about. Some of you feel like I have to feel like I'm disgusting because of the body that I live in, right? So let's say you weigh 200 pounds and you have this thought like, ugh, 
I am disgusting. I can't go to that holiday party. I can't show up here. I'm embarrassed what they'll think of me, whatever, whatever. But there's another person living in a 200 pound body who feels phenomenal. Maybe she lost weight or maybe she just never had that self-deprecating thought to begin with. Maybe she never really started practicing the belief that her size mattered to the type of person that she was and her worth, right? So 200 pound body, completely different thoughts. Maybe someone dies or passes away. And we think, well, that person died. Of course, I have to feel, I'm going to feel sad or grief about it. But right now, this second, right now, people are dying and you don't feel anything about it because you don't know those people, right? Like right now, people are dying and that isn't necessarily a bad thing for you because it's not close to you, right? So there are these things happening where you'd think, I only have a choice to feel this way about death. And you can still choose that. You can still choose to feel the grief. And honestly, if someone died in my, in, that, that I cared about or impacted me, I would feel grief. I would not try to skip the grief. I would allow myself to feel it and process it. But there's a difference between I have to or I'm choosing to, right? I talked about that before, but it is a subtle difference, but a big difference in vibration in your body. Another example is what happened with my mom. So the same thing happened to my sister as what happened to me with my mom, right? Same exact circumstance. This happened. My thought was she should have been better. She should have protected us. Like I should have been given a better mom, right? And my sister's thought was I'll take mom any way I can get her. I love her. She's my mom. I want to have a relationship with her. So we had the exact same circumstance, but very different thoughts. And that led to very different feelings, right? She felt um, maybe, maybe compassion, maybe love. I'm not sure what her feeling was. I don't know exact her thought, her exact thought and feeling, but mine was resentment and anger because my thought was she should have been better, right? She should have done different. So it's the same circumstance, but different feeling a different thought, creating a different feeling. I take actions from that feeling and then I produce a result that is reinforcing the thought. Yeah. So what happened to you or what that person did or how that person treated you is actually neutral. And that's so hard when you're like, no, but if you knew the story of how my parents treated me, you would agree with me. I could, as a friend, I could agree with you. What I want to show you here is how much power you're giving away by saying, I have to feel anger and rage and bitterness. Again, I'm not going to, I I am not, this took me years to make this journey. So I am under no, uh, what was that? What's the word? I don't know. My brain's foggy today. Um, I'm under no, like this, whatever the word is, you guys fill in the blank for me that this is going to solve everything. But I just, again, want to plant the seed right? So if step number one is deciding that you want to feel better about it, step number two is recognize that you choosing to feel differently about it is a gift to you, not to them, right? So when I started, I, I, I'm going through certification and I feel like I was at a high in my life, felt so good about everything, encouraged, expi- you know, excited, on fire, really, just like in the best way, in absolute flow state. And then I would think about my mom and I felt like I turned into a dragon. Uh, I was so angry and so hurt. And I think I chose anger in that instance because it was a lot, ang- it was a lot easier to feel anger than rejection 
for me. So I went to the place of anger of she should have been better. She did this wrong, right? But meanwhile, I'm the one suffering, right? That she gets to be exactly who she is and I get to feel however I want about it. And so when I'm choosing to stay in a state of anger instead of love or compassion, it's really only hurting me. Like she's not affected, but when I'm thinking about back, you know, a couple of years ago when I was thinking about her and I was boiling, my blood was boiling. She was not affected by that. It was not affecting her in that moment. Now I did, you know, choose to cut her out of my life. So she was on the receiving end of that. And she did feel my anger in that sense. But every time I was thinking about her, she wasn't aware. She was out living her life. She was out to dinner or happy hour or laughing and taking pictures and traveling and seeing the world. And of course, there were times where she thought about that she missed me. I know that to be true. And I'm sure that made her sad, right? But when I would think about her and I would think about what happened and how I wish it was different and wish she was different, it was causing me pain. And so we think there was this thing that I was doing, which was, well, I can't forgive her. I have to hold her accountable, right? But that thought is only continuing to hurt us. So we, a lot of times we think that like, if we forgive that person or if we love that person, or we continue to allow that person in our life, that it's benefiting them. And we'll get into this idea that like, we cannot, that's what happened to me. I had this idea. I cannot forgive this person. I cannot be in a place of love because of what they did. They do not deserve that from me. But when I realized I am the only one feeling it in that moment, they don't get to feel my love, right? They don't get to feel my love, but I don't get to feel my love. So, and then when I'm acting, however I'm acting, she has a circumstance. Circumstances, my daughter's not talking to me. And then she has her own model, her own thoughts and feelings and actions based on that. But meanwhile, I'm robbing myself of the feeling of love, of feeling gratitude, of feeling compassion, right? This is like, it's actually, if you think about the love languages, right? There's those five love languages. It's like acts of service, quality time, um, words of affirmation, physical touch, and gift giving, I think are the five. And if you speak a different love language, that's why in the beginning of John and I's relationship, or maybe even the beginning of our marriage, can't remember, we went to therapy and his love language is different than mine. I'm, I'm words of affirmation and he is acts of service. And so we'd go and I'd be like, I just don't feel like you love me. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm doing things all day long for you. I'm cleaning the house and I'm cooking and doing that. And I'm like, but that isn't how I feel love right? It's just a different language. It's a different lens that we're viewing things through. And then to to him, I'm complimenting him. I'm saying all these things. I'm proud of him. You're handsome, whatever, whatever, but I'm not doing acts of service for him. And therefore he's not seeing love, right? So it's not necessarily how we act to that person. It's how they receive it. And so when you decide that you want to feel better and you decide, I want to show up with compassion or love or gratitude for that person, that is for you. It is not for them. And the other thing that happened for me was I decided that I wanted to feel better towards my mom and I didn't think I wanted to have her back in my life. I wanted to get to the place where I could think about her and have love and experience love, not anger, and still uphold the boundary of I don't want you in my life. 
right? That was, that was my first set. So I'm not saying if you've cut someone out of your life, I'm not saying forgive them and allow them back in. Maybe you're not there yet, but recognize that when you think you're holding them accountable, it really is holding yourself in pain. So when you show up, of course, in you know a hateful way or an angry way or a resentful way, they'll experience that, right? But they're experiencing it through their lens, but you're the one, and we don't know what it's going to feel like to them and what their thought is going to be. You're the one that is actively feeling the hate or the anger or the resentment. So you're actually causing your own pain. And it's easy to blame them for the feeling because then we don't have to do any of the work. Well, I wouldn't feel this way if you just acted different. No. That gives so much of our power away, right? So then what that is, is it's you believing that they are powerful enough to create that emotion within you and that it's their fault that you're feeling it, but it's not. It's actually our fault and our choice. So then I had to move, like it was really helpful. I had a conversation with my sister one time where she said, honestly, I can't believe that, you know, you've cut, like knowing all the things that I know that you've cut mom out of your life. And I was like, honestly, I can't believe you haven't. Right. And it was using that juxtaposition because I felt so right. I felt so certain that I had to feel angry. I had to feel bitter. I had to feel resentment because what she did was wrong. And it was really helpful for me to say, okay, this exact same thing happened to my sister and her thought is different. And she feels a whole lot more love and less anger than I do. And that's what I want for myself. Not necessarily for my mom, right? That's what I want for myself. And so I would ask you, like, whatever happened to you, is there any possible way that someone else might have a different thought about that? Right? So with my mom, again, I said, you know, my thought was she should have done better. She should have protected us. My sister's thought was, well, that's my mom and I will love her regardless. I couldn't get to, that's my mom. I love her regardless, but I could get to, I think she was doing the best that she could because I honestly believe, and this was through one-on-one coaching sessions. I worked with many one-on-one coaches about this to try to diffuse the fire. And I ultimately got to, yes, I do think she was doing the best that she could in that moment. And that is why she had to, had to choose that way. Right. I actually then that sort of a blanket feeling that I have about everybody on the planet. And I've talked about this before. I feel like this is a little bit controversial, but we were watching that Dahmer show and you know, this guy's a serial killer. Obviously most of us, again, even serial killer can be in the circumstance line and it's kind of neutral because Dahmer himself would not agree that this was what he, you know, was a bad thing. That is who he was and he was doing it, right? So 100% of people on the planet wouldn't necessarily agree that that was bad. Most of us here are probably like, yeah, we're, we're not on board with serial killers, right? But there is still choice there. And, um, but I'm watching this show and if you watched it, what you see in the first couple of episodes is a little boy seeking love and acceptance and belonging. And there is definitely something that's a little bit different about him because he has a fascination with like, you know, dissecting animals when he's little. So there is for sure a little nature part to that. But there is a big nurture part where this kid just wanted love and acceptance and belonging and he got none of it. Every way he turned, he was rejected and rejected and rejected. And so the brain does what the brain does and it finds a way to 
instead of feeling constant rejection and fear and self-loathing, it moves into another place to, to, as a, you know, security blanket, basically. And so I had a lot of compassion for Dahmer. Watching that show, I had a lot of compassion for the little boy. And I don't know how he would have turned out if he would have grown up in an absolutely loving home, right? Maybe it would have been the same. But my thought is it probably would be a little bit different. Maybe he still would have been a murderer. I don't know. But I do think him doing what he did was still doing the best that he could. Now, is that what, what we would say is the best? No, that's, a, that's not the standard we would hold for ourselves, certainly, right? Like we are not serial, serial killers for a reason. And a lot of us did grow up in homes that didn't feel loving or safe. And we didn't take that road. I get it. But you can sit there and feel angry and resentful and bitter towards the shit that's going on in the world. But who's feeling that? You are. Or you can have compassion and feel sorry. You can have both even, right? Like you can have both. And I'm both sad for him. And I have compassion that this is the cards that he was dealt. And I'm angry that this is how he chose to play them. You can have both, but I had a lot of compassion for him. And I thought he is, he was doing the best that he could. It's not the best that I would have for myself or other people, but he is doing the best that he could. And when I started moving to that space of like, I believe pretty much everyone on the planet is doing the best that they can. And when I'm in one-on-one coaching sessions with clients, they're like, I don't believe that. I think my parents could have done better. Okay. You are, I'm not going to take any of these thoughts from you. Again, I'm just wanting to plant the seed that if they could have done better, why didn't they? What stopped them from doing better? Why do you think they didn't do better? Right? I want you to think about a time that maybe you showed up when you weren't your best self. I mean, this is a silly example, but there are times where I am, I do a ton of research on parenting and trying to raise my kids with the least amount of trauma, knowing I'm still going to fuck them up somehow, right? Like they're still going to have trauma, but I, I do a lot of research on how to support them and, um, you know, encourage them to be their their own little person and explore themselves. And I listen to their opinions and I do all this stuff. And still, sometimes I snap and I yell. And in that, and then I'll look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. Right. And then I go and I apologize. And I say, I'm so sorry. Whenever I have those emotions, it has nothing to do with you. That is me having my big emotions. And I snapped and it is not your fault. And you are a good kid. And I'm so sorry. And I've had to do that several times. But in the moment when my buttons were being pushed, and I snapped and I yelled at my kid. That was the best that I had in that moment. You know, and then I can come back and I can reset myself and realize that's not the best that I want. I want to set a better standard and then I can go back and I can apologize and be the kind of mom that I want to be to them. But I do feel like, and I look back on other things I've done in my life, things that I'm not proud of, times where I gossiped and times that I was judgmental and times where I was hurtful. And I think, Oh, I hate that I did those things. And also I feel like that was the best I could at the moment because I was a girl in pain and I had to deflect my own inner shame, right? That the times that I was the meanest were the times where I was the most insecure and struggling with my own self. And that was the best that I could. And so I ask you to kind of try to think from that family member's perspective, do you think if they could have, if they knowingly could have done better, why, why didn't they? 
why wouldn't they? Right? And that was the next step for me in the progression of healing the way I felt with my mom. So, right, first I had to decide I wanted to feel better. Second, I had to decide I wanted to forgive her for me, not for her, because she wasn't going to know that I forgave her. I just wanted to feel peace within myself, right? Then I had to move into what is another thought that I could think that's going to make me feel a little bit better, right? And that was for me, she was doing the best that she could. Then I moved into believing, I think in general, people are doing the best that they can, right? And then I, and then I asked myself, okay, why would she have made that choice? Why would she have chose this over her own children's safety? Man. And I think as a mom now, it just hit me so hard. I thought, and I never felt unloved when I was little, right? I I look back on my childhood and it was so wonderful and beautiful. And I, my mom was an amazing mom. And I, I never felt unloved. I didn't feel unsafe. The things that I'm talking about happened when we were older, really. Um, and it wasn't even what happened. It was the way that my mom handled it. But it happened when I was 16. My sister was 18. Right? And so I had a lot of love. And so I think now, being a mom, if my child came to me and said, this person hurt me and they did this to me, and I had to choose in that moment to not believe my children, man, what must I have, what must I be going through to make that choice? Cause sitting here today, I can't think of a single thing that would stop me from making sure my children were protected and believed and heard and understood. But I think that my mom probably would have said that same thing, right? I will do anything. I put my children first and yet she didn't. So, wow, that must've been hard for her. Gosh. Right. And so I moved into a place of compassion where I thought, Okay. So I moved from, she was doing the best that she could. And then I had a lot of compassion for that must've been extremely difficult. And I almost felt sad for her. Right. And then to continue the healing, then I moved into a space of gratitude. And this again was over several one-on-one coaching calls, but I've had, I had to ask myself like, Cause, cause my thought was I should have had a, I should have had a better mom should have protected me. And it it brought up so much pain around the holidays, especially around mother's day or anytime I would see people post with their moms and I would think, God, why didn't I get a mom like that? You know, I wanted a mom like that. I want to be best friends with my mom and I had so much pain, but then I moved into a place of gratitude where I had to ask myself, how was she the exact mom that I needed? This was not an accident. I went through this on purpose. We all went through this on purpose. It was supposed to happen exactly as it did, right? So I'm no longer arguing with reality or the past. And I came up with a ton of reasons why I was grateful for her and why I felt even grateful for the things that happened, right? Like I mentioned, I felt very loved growing up. I felt like she was the best mom. And when I would think about how was she the best mom for me, I am who I am because of her. I am strong. I am an opinionated person. I understand that females can do anything because of starting from a very young age, you know, we were very independent. Like I think I've mentioned here, starting in first grade, we set our alarm. We got ourselves up and dressed for school and made our own breakfast and kissed our mom goodbye while she was still in bed, you know, and it's made me really independent and strong willed and, you know, like just, I'm able to achieve things. I'm a high achiever. I'm not afraid of confrontation. I, um, 
you know, I, I just really feel grateful for the example that she set of what a woman could be. And I got to be that, right? And then moving into how I feel grateful for the experience, I know now I am also a different mom for my children. I know how important it is to hear them and make them feel seen and make them feel appreciated and loved and safe and to believe them. And I've done a lot more work on how do I teach my kids about consent and respecting their bodies and that their bodies are their bodies, right? And I don't know if I would have done any of that work without what had happened to us. And so I had a lot of gratitude, right? And so asking yourself kind of, how has what happened shaped you? What did you learn from it? How were you changed? Who else is impacted by those changes, right? Like my kids are impacted by what happened to me and the changes that I made. Like they get a different mom. I I show up in a different way for them. And is it possible that this was always meant to be a part of your story? One of the biggest teachings here, one of the ways that I continue to still still feel gratitude for my mom is I think, um, right, so I, I've, I can't think of anything else in my life that has ever made me as angry and upset as I felt about my mom for years, for years, right? So it was deeply ingrained in me. And another way that I am grateful for her still and for all this happening is because this is the best teacher to me on the truth that I get to feel what I want. I am responsible for feeling how I want. I get to choose love or compassion or gratitude whenever I want, no matter what happens outside of me or to me or what that person did or didn't do. Regardless of all of that, I still am in control. And that is such a beautiful lesson that I got, right? To go from feeling like I had to feel angry and bitter and resentful to now same exact circumstance. Nothing's, nothing's changed there. Obviously it's happened in the past, right? But to now feel so much love and appreciation for her. And then I did, after doing all of this work, I was like, you know what? I actually kind of want to be around my mom. I want to just see the parts of her that are special and magical, of which there are many. And when she does things that I feel like are true to her personality and things that I used to say were annoying or toxic or wrong, I can just look at it and say, oh, that's mom. That's mom, right? I don't have to be like, oh, she's doing this again. Of course, you're just, you're crossing boundaries. You don't respect me. It's like, oh, that's mom. Of course. My mom is going to show up exactly as she does. It is her job to be who she is. It's my job to decide how I want to feel about it. I am in control of my feeling. And it is so tempting, really, to say that they need to change. Because we, we think that that's easier, right? Well, I'd be fine. I'd be happy if they just showed up differently, if they just acted differently. But you're actually, if we do that, we give so much of our power away and we miss the lesson that we are in control of how we feel, how we want to show up, regardless of what they do. This comes up a lot too in marriages, right? Where it's like, no, I cannot be with my husband any longer because he does X, Y, and Z, or I'm not in love with him anymore. He doesn't respect me, right? And so I'm angry and mad and bitter and resentful. And one of the things that Life Coach School says also is you shouldn't leave a place because you're unhappy. Get happy at that place, in that marriage, at that job, whatever, 
realize that you can be happy anywhere. And then if you decide, I still want to move on, then you choose it from a place of happiness versus changing the circumstance. Because if you leave that marriage and then you go find, you know, another relationship, whatever, you're going to feel happier, right? And you're going to think, well, it's because I changed the circumstance, but it's not. It's because you're choosing to think happier thoughts. And this is so freaking powerful because people will be like, well, why would I leave if I'm happy? That's not the point. The point is recognizing that no job, no person, no relationship, no nothing is more powerful than you. You are the one that is fully in control of how you feel. And you may still choose to feel anger or bitter or resentment, but that is still more powerful choosing it than saying I have to, right? So this way, you know that no matter what happens, you are resilient. You can handle anything. And then you can choose to have that person in your life or not. So you set a boundary and then it's up to you to uphold the boundary, regardless of how big of a tantrum that person might throw when you uphold the boundary, because that person is going to continue being exactly who they are. So they might still continue to piss you off, right? They might still do some things where you're like, ah, you crossed the boundary. How dare you? Ah, right. But it's like, no, you crossed the boundary because of course you did. It's your job to be you. It's my job to protect me. And so you uphold that boundary. And when you can, you move into compassion and you move into gratitude. But maybe you can't get there, right? So I just want to offer you the steps again that I went through. So one very first step is you have to decide that you want to feel better about it and take ownership for it is my choice right? Because right now, a lot of us are sitting from a place, I have no choice. I have to feel this way. No. So that is why it's step number one. You have to decide you want to feel better about it. Then step two is recognizing, and it's kind of like step one A, recognizing that you choosing to feel better about this is, has nothing to do with them. They don't even have to feel your love. You get to feel your love towards them or your compassion or whatever, right? And maybe you do move it into indifference first. But that is for you. I never really understood the saying, like, forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. I never really understood that until I decided I wanted to forgive my mom because I wanted peace. And I didn't even know if I would ever talk to my mom again. My forgiveness, but it felt so much better for me to release the anger. And now it feels amazing to be able to be with her and enjoy her because she is wonderful and she is so much fun and she celebrates every little thing. And that is one thing that I love about myself. I also learned that from her, that there is nothing too small to be celebrated. Right. And I also believe that she loves me through and through to her bones and in every cell of her being. I believe that. And so believing that lets me know for sure. Step number three, right. That, um, I have a different thought that I can choose. Right. And also that she was doing the best that she could, which is step number four. People are in your, in your path to feeling better. It's believing people are doing the best that they can. Because if they could be doing better, they would be doing better. Honestly. Really, I want you guys to think about that. Like think of the times where you have fucked up or done something that you're not proud of. And when you get yourself together again, you're like, oh my gosh. And you have total regret. But in that moment... You couldn't control yourself. That was the best you could. And maybe you haven't apologized because the best that you could was also holding that shame, right? Because apologies are also hard. We're not really taught how to do that very well. And there's a lot of ego involved. 
So even not apologizing for something is maybe doing the best that you could until you, you learn better, right? And then you can move into compassion and then practicing gratitude and having love for them. And once you get to that point, then you can decide, do I want them in my life or not? Knowing they get to be exactly who they are. They never have to change. Their job is to show up exactly as they are. And I just want to see how strong and powerful I can be to just be around them and appreciate them and love them because I deserve that. I deserve to feel my own love towards anybody, my own compassion right? Because again, you're the one feeling it. You can act in a loving way, but we still don't know how they're going to perceive it. Again, back to the five love languages. When I'm acting in a loving way to my husband, he's like, okay, you're just saying words, right? When he's acting in a loving way to me, I'm like, okay, you're just cleaning the kitchen, right? It's like love languages. So just because you're feeling the love doesn't mean that they do. Just because you're feeling the anger and the hate and thinking that you're holding them accountable does not mean that they are experiencing that. You are. And so give yourself that gift. Give yourself that peace. Take your power back. Claim it for yourself. And this took me a couple of years. So also be patient as you go on this journey. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all of the love. I love when you guys, you know, share the podcast on your stories and you send me DMs and you send me emails about how much you are moved by this and how things are able to, you know, you put things into practice. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode as well. Um, You can email me ashley.molstead at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Ashley Molstead, A-S-H-L-I-E-M-O-L-S-T-A-D. And also I do, a lot of you have been asking about one-on-one coaching sessions. So I do have one-on-one coaching sessions. I've got a few slots still open. That is ashleymolstead.com slash life coaching. And you can check that out there if you want to dive a little deeper into some of this or anything else. But I'll see you guys next week. 